the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial money. Money and money. Like I said, all things financial. Money. Um... Insurance, investing, buying houses, buying cars. Um, I think the average person should never, ever buy a new car. I think you should always buy a two-year-old with some sort of warranty on if you're worried about the durability. Um, I buy a lot of Toyota products because Toyota makes a lot of products. <laughs> and um, because of that, they're... Their parts for when things break are cheaper than other companies. They use a lot of the similar design product, so they kind of mass. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is there's so many ways to go about your life in saving money and investing money and like uh, understanding money. So open your mind up a little bit. When I see a Raiders game, I'm like, man, that's a lot of people who don't have retirement funds throwing away a lot of good money. When I see people in... Uh, Casinos. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of retirees who are throwing away money. They probably should be saving for healthcare costs in the future. Like that's the way I see the world. So one of the areas that, as an investor, goes about these things is Barrons. I really like Barrons, and it's spelled B-A-R-R-O-N-S, kind of like Donald Trump's son, but with two R's instead of one. I know you're saying now I'll remember that forever. You mean Baron Trump? Yes, Baron Trump. But Barron's is a great Saturday read. Um, I don't get in my newsstand because I don't have a newsstand, but I'll go to the convenience store and grab Barron's on a Saturday, or I'll get the subscription and, and have it delivered. It's, it's, to me, it's, it's all things financial. One of the things that they recently did was the 100 most sustainable companies in the United States. Sustainability is driven by a lot of passions, typically of the CEO. It's based on, you know, the corporate chieftain trying to say, like, what can we do to be a good citizen? Voya Financial, the insurer and retirement savings company, 
they're on the top list. And you're like, who's Voya Financial? Big insurance company, big retirement saving product company. Um, and you should do some homework on these lists. I love lists. Um, like I'll go, if I get bored, I'll go, I wonder if there's an ETF tied towards marijuana. I wonder if there's an ETF tied towards race cars. I wonder if there's an ETF tied towards semiconductors. And I'll start seeing all the semiconductor names. I'll go, huh, okay, we know Intel, we know AMD, we know NVIDIA, we know Broadcom, we know Qualcomm, we know... And you can go to Texas Central, you can go through the list, of, like, and you're like, who's this little company? It's a great way of keeping your brain active. That's honestly one of the best things I like about my job, is I get to study companies. Best Buy is the number one most sustainable company in the United States, which means they practice environmental and social impacts. They have strength in governance. Um, for longer-term investors, these are important metrics. Um, HP's on the list, Agilent, Clorox. I know you're saying you can invest in Clorox, which, by the way, let me tell you a quick story, and uh, I'm a little bit sidetracked, but uh, if you put a little bleach, oh, say, in your own milk, because you have roommates who are, how shall we say, drinking your milk, and the roommate drinks it and he thinks he's been poisoned, calls poison control, and then he, the police get involved. It's probably not a good idea, unless you happen to know that bleach is not an agent that can kill people. It'll give them massive diarrhea long before it kills them. But I'm just saying, hypothetically, I might know this. So if you want to give your, your spouse diarrhea, put a little bleach in their milk. What says I love you like diarrhea? Anyhow, I'm off topic. Badly off topic. Um, William Sonoma. You know what I like about William Sonoma? Americans like uh, to furnish their homes. And furniture is crazy expensive. If you get good stuff. If you get Ikea stuff, you're going to sit on it one day and it's going to break. And you're going to say, well, I got kindling wood now for the fire. Except for in California, no natural fires anymore. It's all gas things. But you can always throw it in a gas stove, I suppose. Cook it up. I don't know. Starbucks is on the list of most sustainable companies. Decker's Outdoor. CenturyLink, Sunoco, Key Corp, Church and Dwight, Estee Lauder. Oh, you want to hear Rob's politically incorrect statement from the 90s when doing the radio show? I said, you can invest in companies like Estee Lauder. Look at the long-term track record of Estee Lauder. And I said, (laughs) there's always going to be ugly women. I said that on air enough to like get the point across that makeup's not going away. And it was, I was young. I was foolish. I apologize. I'm in the, the, I'm in, oh, I'm in, I've, I've had a lot of therapy and I don't mind saying that, but Estee Lauder, they were making makeup when you were a little boy or a little girl, right? So you know that they've got some sort of sustainability to their product. I'm not calling them the last man standing, but like I said, there's always going to be ugly people. Oh, see, that's the political correct way of saying it. Or now do you have to say there are always going to be people without good looks? I don't know. What's the positive? Remember when we decided, like, you can't say someone's smelly. You had to say they're malodorous. No, I don't remember that either, but just in case, let's check and see if you did. Um, you're malodorous today. <laughs> Anyway, Estee Lauder is on that list. Again, 
do you think we're going to need makeup in the future? Now, there's some ways of looking at makeup kind of interesting, like um, when the economy is hot, you don't think of makeup as like uh, a good investment. But when the economy is slow, when people are getting cut, when jobs are getting cut, I'm not a woman, but I've seen women on TV. And one of the things that I know is that when the economy gets tough, when jobs are getting cut, some women that I've seen on TV will go to the store to get Lipstick, because lipstick is a luxury, but it's an affordable luxury. Like, you have to give up the spa, the $200 of someone cracking your back. Which, for the record, I don't believe in chiropractors. I do believe in Bigfoot, because I've actually seen it before. He was on a beach in New Jersey. Um, He was a very, very hairy uh, male specimen of the Sasquatchian kind. Um, But I'm totally digressing, aren't I? 800-516-1220 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Um, Estee Lauder, always going to be people that need makeup, right? You could look at something like a Safeway and go, people are always going to need food. But the margins are so low. Oh, So then you start thinking about, okay, how about uh, a company like a Safeway, and they're not publicly traded right now, but they used to be. Um, how about a Whole Foods? They're charging you know a premium for the head of lettuce versus a, a discount. And then Amazon buys them and... You have investment decisions, right? Or if you don't want to do that, maybe go after the food company, which we've talked about before. There's only about eight major companies that process food and put it in a box and send it to the grocery store. They keep buying each other. Um, it's a very, not incestuous, but there's not a lot of co- there's not a lot of players. So it depends on how you want to invest. Anyway, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, and more. What you want to talk about, pick up the phone, give me a call. Otherwise, it's Freeform Friday. Freeform Friday, everybody. Pick up a big radio stand. I'm uh, Big Daddy Black. Let's go to break. I turn to you. You're all I see. I love the monster with two heads and one heartbeat. I turn to you. Making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. And it gets frustrating talking about real estate because in the end, it's so personal on people's views of real estate and their opinions and their situations. Um... Whether it's a family of four in the Bay Area who make two hundred thousand and are poor and they're leaving, they'd rather go make sixty thousand and live well than make two hundred thousand and live poorly. Fascinating the kind of dilemma to get into of of what's right and wrong. Um, I was in Denver recently, and I remember and this is the <clears throat> the basis of me pulling up Denver research from ten years ago uh, was because I was just there and I was like. I could have moved there. I, I certainly thought about it in the 1990s. Um, I had a list of seven cities. I don't know if you remember them, but it was like Denver, Nashville, 
um, San Antonio, Raleigh, um, I think Minneapolis, Seattle, a couple others were on there. And uh, all those, all of them have done really great because they have jobs there. Um, and that's another thing, you know, we could talk about is, but anyway, what, do I, what I kind of want to talk about was everyone has their own real estate opinions. I was listening to your show last night. Your show's on, on the station Thursdays, uh, six to seven. And your partner has opinions on real estate and you two were disagreeing quite a bit last night. And that's the beauty of real estate is there's no right answers. So the couple, I remember a couple in 2000 going, you know, we can't afford San Francisco. So we're moving to Tracy. And I remember laughing at him, you know, ah, Tracy, what's in Tracy? It's nothing's in Tracy. Um, Stockton, nothing. But that was their decision. So, and not necessarily a wrong one. We, we definitely see different opinions in real estate. That's one of the fun parts of the, uh, the whole experience over the last 15, 20 years of um, being in the industry. I've owned property for many years beyond that. And um, my wife and I have the same different opinions and, you know, she might be a little bit more like, I just want a household and I might want something for retirement. Um, that's why we bought our first house is because I knew at some point I was going to keep that. It was going to generate something like my parents said, oh, we're spending so much money on this, this and this long term care and, and so on. And I'm like, you know, I think I want some sort of vehicle to help me do that over and above Social Security and wages and my retirement. So I think everybody has a different opinion. I think that's great. I think it's healthy for the market. Um I think you just don't, but you you can't be impulsive, which we still see a lot of people do. Um, we had a, a guy recently who could save four hundred sixty three dollars a month on his refinance, but he was a little PO'd about his appraised value that came in, and because he had solar on his house, and his wife he didn't care, but it was his wife who said we spent thirty five thousand dollars in the solar, but they only gave us ten thousand value on the appraisal, and they didn't they even though we could have done the refinance they and saved four. Over four hundred dollars a month, they decided not to. So everybody's going to have a different opinion. That's it, it. I think what it comes down to is dollars and cents. And if you can get down to that root issue, you know mm-hmm. what really makes sense for our short term and long term. More long term now. I think I'm. You talked earlier about how people are beca- are wiser about the decisions in real estate. I think people are thinking longer term now, as opposed to short term. Um, even though people still want that payment. Um, that's what the root is right there. The money, follow the money. Yeah. <clears throat> A lot going on in that statement, that idea. One of the things we, you and I were talking about is someone was just predicting a, a, a bubble kind of like the death of real estate. <laughs> yeah. This is it. I mean, the quotes, it happens in stocks too. Yeah. It's quite, quite up. Um, apocalyptic. I mean, what he says is it basically comes down and says, how much do you love your real estate? Are you, do you love it enough to go down with it? It's like there, we're seeing a little bit more of that, aren't we? We're hearing more, uh, bubble talk. Yeah. yeah. If you turn on CNBC at this point in time, um, or even if you just go to Yahoo, Yahoo's, you know, news page, you'll see, you know, Dr. Doom says, or it's, and again, it's going to happen. There's going to be a recession. Um, it's going to happen. Housing's not going to go higher every single year. Um, yeah, what's crazy is right next to you know a, a, an article like this, yeah. where some guys just calling gloom and doom. You're going to have this, uh, another article saying, "Well, we're going to have a recession, but the real estate's not going to be affected by it this time. It's going to be a, a different kind of recession tied towards maybe equity or um, commodities or." something else. Um, and, and then they go on to explain it's because of the type of mortgages people got and, and because of the lack of housing inventory is going to rule. We have more household 
formations. I mean, when you really think about it, you could almost push, and I'm not trying to be pro real estate right now, even though that's the industry I'm in, you can almost put real estate aside right now and, and kind of focus on other parts of the economy that could cause the recession yeah. and be affected by it. I think there's an evolution that happens in real estate and in life that you sometimes don't appreciate while it's happening. For instance, I moved into San Carlos 10 years ago and there was a skyline. <laughs> there was like nature. There was, there's hills and I can't even see the hills anymore because it's all been built up. So one of the reasons that I liked it is now gone. So will I eventually leave? Yeah. I told you I was in Denver this week, uh, last weekend, and um, it's a lovely city. I, I I know people have left the Bay Area for Denver, and that's, they say, yes, we miss the ocean. But it's lovely. And it's sad. And, you know, less traffic. And, and the oxygen. More. Well, the <laughs> oxygen is, there's less of that as well. Uh, but you get used to that, they say. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, um, you have to like outdoors. If you like Denver, I mean, you have to go to mountains, you have to go hiking, you Mm -hmm. have to really grasp that. Or somebody in the peninsula that likes to live close to the train or they like that. Oh, that's crazy. I know, but, but that's what they're building. They're, they're doing what's, what's working for, what have you done for me lately? Kind of attitude, you know, what do we need now? And that's what we need. Um, it's also coincidentally the, what's making the most money. I mean, right down the street from the studio, there's, you know, a huge complex of town is right by a train track and it's not a train track. You can jump on and get to work. It's yeah. That's what you hear every, every day, every morning. And then you hear the like that. And they're all compact and they're making the most amount of money they can right now. I mean, we're not going to see any sprawling suburbs coming up anytime soon. I sent you an article earlier this week about, um, <clears throat> and I don't know if you saw it because I think I sent on instant messenger. So anyway, it was a story about um, the last waterfront property in San Francisco is going up. And what's interesting about it is I know one of the guys behind the development of it, I named Paul Zeger. Um, and lo- long story short, there's no more waterfront condos to be mm-hmm. thrown up. So it's, it's, it, the inventory is there now. So now it's all about, you know, where else can we build? Where else can we uh, make the next big thing happen? And it'll happen. So, um, but anyway, you can talk to Tony about real estate, about mortgages, about interest rates. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. San Francisco's last waterfront condo development breaks ground. That was a big story this week. Um, Looks pretty. I like the rendition. Yeah. There's so much controversy in real estate. There's It's all luxury, though. It's going to be expensive. It's all luxury. Luxury condos, I love it. There's something wrong with that statement. I remember when I was 20, and condos basically meant a place to live. Not luxury, right? Not luxury. (laughs) They have a gym that was disgusting. That was the perk. Anyway, Alan, anyway, I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
two boys who are starting to hit that skiing age where it's expensive to stay in a hotel and then it gets even more expensive to, you know, where are you going to store your skis or are you going to bring them all the way back or, you know, leave them. It's so I did that and it, it, it cash flow wise wasn't very smart for me. But it also kind of set up me with set me up with some fixed cost, more mortgage money, more housing money, but it's taken away some of my vacation costs. And the, the fixed cost of the mortgage is I'm paying myself to go on vacation, some principal, a lot of interest. The furniture will depreciate quickly. My best hope is probably for the whole house to burn down in five years for me to get the maximum amount of money back. But in five to seven years, my kids should be pretty good skiers. My parents never really did that for me. So it was 16 years old, and I had to go learn to ski on my own. And the only reason I did that was I saw the movie Better Off Dead, and I was a big John Cusack fan. The $2. I want my $2. And are you going to ski this K-9? The first question of the movie is, I think, are you going to ski the K-9? I skied the K-9. Now, it was incredibly irresponsible because I didn't know what I was doing, and I probably could have killed someone on the way down the hill. But I want my kids to be able to go to college or high school and, and not be afraid to get on skis. I know that, that sounds like a crazy thing, but it's it's my generation. I think it's the 21st century golf. Nothing against you golfers, but it's dying, and it's dying rapidly. And you can see it when Tiger Woods comes on, and like suddenly everyone turns on their TV like, let's watch Tiger. Was that my over-middle-aged white guy, Caucasian, saying, let's watch Tiger? It kind of was, because CBS will tell you the same thing. No one watches the tournaments unless Tiger's in it. And we're all fascinated by the freak that that was the Tiger Woods kid at four years old. It's Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. I just told the story of um, skiing is the new networking, I think. The ability to go on a ski trip with, with male friends and coworkers and young ladies um, it's a great social networker. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I think I'm a little biased. I like golf. I play golf. But it, you got to admit, the people on the course. Yeah, I actually older. I talked to somebody the other day that that uh, doesn't golf, and I said, "Oh yeah, I play a little bit of golf." They saw some golf gear that I had on, and they said, "Oh, that must be great for networking." Did you do golf because of networking? And you know, kind of. But you know, I started much earlier before the networking days. Um, but yeah, you know, a second home and the community that you you're in, I think is very important for that type of environment you're looking for your child uh, or your family or just yourself. Um, I think that when looking at a second home, you have to look at what, what you're going to, it's like a timeshare. It, it makes sense if you're going to use it. You, you did it because of multiple reasons. You wanted that experience and you also were looking at expensive vacations. You're like, okay, I can. You did all the math. I did it with you. You added everything up and said, this is how much I spend every year, and this is how much a mortgage will spend if I did a second home. And a lot of people do that, and they go, but then, this makes sense. And they do the same thing for, like, timeshares or the and, and when I originally When I originally talked to you as my mortgage lender, I said, you know, i, I got to leave some emergency at some wiggle room. Yeah. Um, because cash flow, my cash flow suddenly almost doubled. Well, I mean... My other, cash flow going out. The other part of that, I mean... It, it, some people go directed to a timeshare, for example, because number one, it's multiple places. Number two, you don't have to put a large down payment. So there's a immediate cash infusion into this out of your cash you know, yeah. reserves that you have to sacrifice. But it's kind of, you know, if you do it right and you do your research and you enjoy the place, you know, that money sits there and it hopefully grows a little bit. You pay down some principal. Um, I don't know if it's the new golf. 
but it's certainly something we're seeing more often in the, you know, the, as you're getting closer to retirement, people are, you know, especially here in the Bay Area, are looking at massive amounts of equity. And they, they're not getting that rate of return on equity. So they're figuring out, you know, what kind of investment property are we going to look at? Is it sure. a second home? And that's one of the things that I did was I took out a home equity line. Yeah. And you and I walked through that process, and we learned, you know, a lot about Bank of America's particulars. And every bank's going to have slightly different particulars, and that's the nice thing about knowing someone in the industry. But so I, I did sell some of one home to buy more of a second home, but on a monthly basis, instead of that equity sitting there doing nothing in the first home in San Carlos, in the vacation home, it's it's now you know giving me vacation time and other things. It's working a little bit better, but you do have to pay about that back too. So yeah, as long as you're not doing both. Right, the vacations and the second home. Oh yeah, yeah. Then, then you're basically just dipping in two pockets. And you know, there's other purposes for doing it. You know, there's sure. like, you know, sometimes it's okay to lose money if you're well, giving your kids a, a better experience in life than you had, and that means something to you. Keep in mind, kids love plastic boxes or boxes. And, and there's always the opportunity. We, the way that a lot of people look at, at second homes is uh, as an investment property where they can go out and do an Airbnb or some sort of vacation rental company like um, VRBO or whatever the local company is and get generate some income. But I, I would rather them, because it is kind of a sketchy and very um, a sketchy strategy that is, as opposed to just going straight into an investment property where you have to be able to go a little negative in case there is just a lack of, of tenants in the property. And it's, it's a high rotation. It's a very high commission. Uh, on a, what was the commission that we, we looked at a couple 25, 30% in some 30, cases, yeah. as opposed to maybe a 7% commission on a rental property, but yet you don't get to use it. So what are you doing with your money? And I hope the people that do a second home or decide that that's the direction they go, that they, they look at it as something that they could lose a little bit of money or go negative, but maybe make, they're making that up by not taking those really expensive Hawaii or, you know, Cabo vacations. I hear that. So, and, um, you know, it was interesting what I was talking about is you sat down with me and you and I kind of like got on a napkins at first and then we got to paper and spreadsheets and figured out the cash flow and how much emergency money should I have in my accounts. And, you know, I've got various accounts. I've got a lot of real estate now. I've got a lot of stocks. I got particular stocks sometimes. Um, but one of the things I said to you was, do I have enough for an emergency? Like I got to keep my emergency fund more than enough because guess what happens? My air conditioner breaks in one of my rental properties. Yep. And four thousand dollars a year. The question is, is it a two hundred dollar fix or is it a four thousand dollar fix? Yeah. And uh so suddenly that's like having three mortgage payments or four mortgage payments. It's still the number one um uh unanticipated cost of owning a house or an investment property of any kind is the maintenance of the property. It's still the number one unanticipated cost. I've stained the fence. I've changed yeah. the yard. Um, I've worked on the kitchen. At- it's a crazy number. Um, how high on the average in the United States per household? How much it costs to maintain your house? It's like sixteen thousand dollars a year or something. Crazy I think like. aren't they saying it's one percent? You should spend at least one percent of your home's value. Yeah, it's it's some. I'm not sure it's that on, simple, but well, there there's some numbers out there like that. I mean, there's there's people that that go out and buy condos and townhouses for that mm-hmm. exact reason. I don't want to maintain my property. And that seems to be a, a pretty common theme right now, uh, not just with the builders, but the buyers. There's buyers and buyers and buyers that are looking at places that you just don't have to maintain. And and it used to be the old people, right? It used to be the seniors that were looking for a place that, okay, I'm going to pay this HRA. You paint my house. You cut my grass. I'll take care of the inside. Yeah. And now it's everybody. 
So I have no problem with it. Um, some people just don't have the knack for trimming their yard or trimming the, the bushes or painting the exterior uh, or replacing some wood. In this case, taking equity from a home in California, sunny California, where you don't get a lot of bad weather. On, where I live on the peninsula, you don't get a lot of bad weather. So trading some equity for that, this is kind of interesting. For a place that has bad that has, extreme weather. You know, six feet of snow sometimes. Sitting on the patio, you're going to have to replace the patio in location B more so than in location A. But location A does need it. It just doesn't need it as fast. And it, it, it creates a situation where you better be good with budgets. Because most of the people that I know who have gone bankrupt have typically been bad with budgets, but have also got caught up in the leverage game of taking money from one property to another. I've never known anyone to go bankrupt who lost $180,000 in one day in Facebook. There's a guy who lost $180,000 in one day in Facebook. It was 40% of his account, but I've never known anyone to go bankrupt. Of uh, You got to get out. You have no place to live. So that's one of the things that a lot of people don't talk about with real estate. But that's why it, it pays to have a good lender. It helps to have a good lender, someone who can help you. You know, did you think about this? Did you think about that? Um, because Tony's got access to me. And trust me, I'm your number one friend in getting you into retirement. That's my goal. Um, and it's become my goal. Back in the 1990s, I kind of wanted to meet a, a beautiful young wife. <laughs> that was my goal. So I talked tech stocks because it was a shiny object. And then, well, I got a great job and that led to, which led to, which led to, but Tony's got access to me. I'm, I'm the guy who cares about your retirement. He, he's the guy who cares about getting the right mortgage, uh, probably a little bit too much more. So at sometimes elsewhere out there in the world of real estate, pre-approvals, I've always, I've always looked at them as jokes because I've seen the pre-approval process sometimes when I wasn't working with you be a joke. We're like, how much do you make? I'm like, eh, let me think about this and radio. Yeah, it's kind of like getting a receipt when you buy something nowadays. Cause it's, it's, it's even worse. It's like getting a handwritten receipt yeah. <laughs> where you, you say, how much do I owe you? I'm like, well, let me think about how much do I make? It's I make one job and, and you're like, okay, I can approve you for 10 times that. I'm like, <laughs> do I have to show you W2? Not yet. Not yet. Later. Later. Yeah. And you write me a pre-approval for like a million dollars. I don't want to say it's my, I, I actually enjoy doing the pre-approval because that's the part where I get to know you the best. Um, I, I learn very intimate things about you and, but it, it's definitely something that sellers are still looking for. I and mean, we could talk about it a little bit more. It's, but it, it, I'm still surprised that people still go out there and look for homes without them. I see my Michael Jackson for you. Okay. Me and bubbles need a pre-approval. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, little Michael Jackson, Santa Barbara. Ellen sold her house in Santa Barbara. She did well on that. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, or I guess she was in Montecito. You'll find me online at Rob Black Show, Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Online at now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Stock Talk with Rob Black. Black. Stocks to hold forever. Do you believe in that statement? 
I, I think it's a silly statement, but it's also a great idea. Google is one of those stocks I think you can hold for a long time. They got Chrome, they got Gmail, they got Google Maps, they got YouTube. They got a billion active users per month each. That's a lot. Do I honestly think you can hold it forever? I don't know. Ad sales up 23% year over year. Make up such a large part of the company's sales. Amazon, do I think you can own it forever? I'm in the camp that's going to lean yes, but can something change in the years to come? For sure. Can it massively underperform while still as a stock, while still operating well as a company? Probably. Keep in mind, we're a fickle country, though. We do turn on trends and fads pretty fast. But Amazon's using their shares to get into new industries, and it's pretty interesting to watch. So Whole Foods, um, a lot of people didn't see that one coming. So it goes back to what's in your wallet on a monthly basis. Uh, you don't look at Amazon Prime as a monthly basis because you typically pay for it a full year in advance, right? So you're probably looking at it as, well, I already paid. It's $200 or $115 or $120. And it's $12 a month, blah, 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 $10 a month, nah, 120 a year, blah, blah, blah. So because you one-time chunk it, you don't see it as a, a regular cost, even though it is. But I do like Amazon as a long-term patient investor idea that you can hold for a long time. There's a company called Ecolab. And what they do is they clean things up. I was shocked when I moved to California, the Bay Area, um, I guess 20 years ago, roughly, right? I was shocked that how many people basically hire other people to do their chores. I grew up in a world where you cleaned the kitchen on a pretty regular basis, where you cleaned the bathrooms on a pretty regular basis. Maybe not every week, maybe before a date comes over, something like that, right? Here, everyone outsources that. Someone else mows your yard. Someone else cleans your kitchen. So cleaning up is going to be in business for a long time, right? Now, in this case of Ecolab, they don't have products that are made for home use. Hospitals, hotels, restaurants, schools, retailers use their cleaning fluids their equipment and services to do laundry, wash dishes, mop floors. It's the biggest player in commercial cleaning. So they're the Google of commercial cleaning. They are the Amazon of the sanitation industry. Now, economic expansion, people are like, let's clean things. Economic slowdown, people are like, we don't need to clean it as often. So there is some exposure to the economy for sure. But Ecolab looks pretty interesting as a long-term play. If you're trying to accumulate companies that you are proud to own, if you're trying to get bang for your buck and hit home runs, maybe it's it's more of a guy like a Paul Molitor type, guy who gets a lot of singles, but I don't even know if that's true or false. But I'm just trying to talk baseball. Acting all manly, you know. United Health Group. It's the biggest health insurer in the country with some 15 million people on its rolls. Um, and again, every month you pay your health insurance or you don't get it. They've got prescription drug services. They've got dental and vision care. They've got, you know, over the long term, if you believe that insurance companies 
I'm not going to say are evil, but if you've seen a Julia Roberts movie or some sort of movie where the insurance company knew about it, they covered it up so they didn't have to pay massive claims. I kind of am one of those people that think insurance companies are going to make money in good economies and bad economies. So there's just so much money in the healthcare industry and politicians haven't figured out how to dismantle it um, without losing votes and without losing, you know, contributions. But it's a flawed system. So I, I do look forward to seeing companies like Amazon and Berkshire Hathaway move more into healthcare services because capitalism can create some efficiencies. And if we create some efficiencies, we save some money, big money. It's like the, the dumb statistic on cars. If we had self-driving cars, we'd save tons of money on fuel because a car knows how to accelerate and decelerate better than you do or a computer. One of my favorite stocks for the long term is Visa. The king of plastic. I could be talked in MasterCard. I could be talked into, you know, diversifying even further in the credit space in the fintech and going after a PayPal or something along those lines. So, Visa, good long-term company, great employees, great um, CEO. Um, volume in overseas developed and emerging regions climbed seven to eight percent year over year. This is this is a company that's been around a long time. And, you know, will the rise of Apple Pay or Venmo and others hurt them? So far, they've been working together. So I like Visa on dips. Some people like fish and dip. Some people like chips and dip. Some people like Tostitos and dip. Me? I like stock dips. So, um, So anyway, that's Visa. There you go. Stocks that you could possibly own for the long term. I'm not sure if you believe that, but it's a good place to start, right? Millennials are making one big key mistake. They tend to save in cash-like vehicles. One in three millennials say they prefer cash insurance for long-term investments. But you're not going to get a good return on that, and you're going to wish that you were in the stock market SP 500 later. But that's okay. I, I think if you're a millennial, you're technically in your 20s-ish. And it's okay to see that you made some mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to study the stock market and real estate and gold and bonds and Bitcoin and cash. Uh, and you'll learn how it plays out for you. I'm Rob Black, talking about things financial money, investing more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. <laughs> Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.